Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235. And let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Wow. That is amazing. The the arrangements are early and they're happy now. Mike's back with us this week. Yay. Yay. Um, Yeah, he was was otherwise engaged last week. But he's back with us this week. Wow. Man, yep, it's and next week. Looks like I'll be uh, here then too. So yeah, good, yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, um, um, more rains going through every day. We're getting lots of rains, and I noticed the long-term forecast too. There's some, there's a what a depression or something just came off Africa, and for yep. those of you who don't know, uh, Florida gets our hurricanes from Africa. They yep. send it to us across the Atlantic. Uh, but this one is supposed to head north in the Atlantic, so maybe we won't get it. And there's one out in the Caribbean right now, or Caribbean, however you mm-hmm. want to pronounce it. And uh, that one's forming. But it's coming up to the, the our, our real season. The season started June the 1st, but September is the biggest month. So come up uh, Saturday is the beginning of our real serious hurricane season. So. Yeah, that's not good. But yeah, oh well. Uh, so uh, we're back. The whole gang's here, uh, and uh, ready for another episode of All About One. There was, you know, I didn't talk to you about topics before we started the show. Uh, we, we were talking about other things, but there was something I saw on Facebook, which now I don't trust any ads I see on Facebook uh, because I've been uh, burned by by one recently. But uh, so I'm not ordering anything else off of Facebook. It's an addiction that I had. Um, but uh, <laughs> I saw a product come on there that is a wine bottle lock. I don't know if you've seen this. If you get that kind of stuff, maybe they're just spying on me because I'll search for – I don't have a dog, but I'll search for dog shampoo, and I get on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I've got I've got 18 different ads in a row for dog products, dog shampoo, oh. this. this is the best. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Who's spying on me? And uh, I know. But all of a sudden, I, know. I saw yeah. this ad, and it was it was a video of this this device you put on a wine bottle, and I, and I believe it has to be a screw cap. I'm not sure. But – it had a combination lock on the top of it. And it's supposed to it's supposed to lock the bottle so you can't so it, you know you you know you have kids around you're like oh just put this stupid combination lock on it and it locks the bottle and people are like that's not going to work cuz can't you just slide the thing off or you know what most 
not most people now, but you know, a lot of people still have regular corks. Oh my gosh, they have they actually have corks. And <laughs> it's not gonna work on that. I mean, how does this thing secure? I, I I tried to get some more information on it and I wasn't gonna buy it because it would take probably a month and a half to get here from China and I didn't want to do right. that. So I'm like I don't I'm like, I wonder how this how this thing works. Uh, and if it does work and I didn't know if you saw that, you know, fly by on your, your Facebook screen too or not or what, but um I I'm did just, not. Wow. I did not. Okay. And you're the wine guy. You, you you should be getting more of the wine stuff than I do. I get all kinds of stuff on there. Maybe they just they just know that I'll. I don't <laughs> shop. Don't buy stuff. See, I don't shop on Facebook uh, for that stuff. Well, you know, I'll, I'll I'll look at other sites. Engineer, come here. No. Hey. Uh, but I'm not shopping. I'm not shopping. I'm not shopping or searching on Facebook. I'll I'll be on you know, Chrome or or. Hmm? Oh, you're talking to. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get. Okay. Trying to get my antenna out, and I wanted to get a. Oh, there she is. Go into the den, and since you walk in the door on the right hand corner of the table, there, there should be a, uh, a advertising book for uh, wine enthusiasts or wine spectators, something like that, right there. Uh, if she can't find it, I may. Run into it real fast, uh, but life show. no, I yeah, life show. Uh, no, I've never seen that. But see, I don't. When I get stuff through just certain certain vendors, I go directly to. Although that doesn't make any difference anyway, because if you're going to it on there, I I was shopping the other day. Uh, the cats were running low on cat food, and so I wanted to mm-hmm. check a couple different sites to see if there was cat food and oh my gosh everything now i click on pops up an ad for cat food <laughs> it's like oh geez that's enough you know I'm, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you for just a second i'm gonna let you talk for a second let me run and get this book all right oh um yeah so anyway <laughs> so we're in we're in september now almost right a couple more days we're in september uh, which means the temperatures are getting cooler here. And I mentioned this uh, earlier today on my other thing, my other gig. But uh, anyway, I think the temperature went down to what 92 today, 92 or something. Oh, he's actually back now. Well, that was quick. So, yeah, yeah, just, I, I just noticed right the, was. Yeah. the climate was changing, and you know, it's it's a. <laughs> well, you were getting into. Oh, well, you can finish your. Yeah. your oh, I got this book. No, oh, go on. <laughs> it's just, you know, now we're in September. The, the, it's feeling cooler now. I said the temperature is going down oh. to, you know, the, the low 90s or something. I mean, it's yeah, uh, in the upper I, 80s. I just, yeah. What was it over there? Upper yeah. 80s, yeah. I noticed that the other day. I, I went out and I went, oh, a little little nip in the air. And I'm thinking, wow, this is, oh, that, you know, must be awesome. So. 90 degree weather feels pretty good right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. <clears throat> So, um, and, and in fact, I was watching the news this evening or this afternoon, and they were showing the temperature and the and yeah. the weatherman says, "Well, look at that." He said, "Newport Richie is thirty thirty four degrees right now." And you look at the weather map, and they had Newport Richie, this is where I live, as thirty four <laughs> degrees. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. He says Newport Richie is right wrong. above freezing. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was that was odd, but. I 
got this book, and it's Wine Enthusiast Catalog, September 2018 Wine Enthusiast Catalog. If you, if anybody out there subscribes to Wine Enthusiast, you might have gotten a copy. I don't know, but this has a whole bunch of stuff in here uh, offered by Wine Enthusiasts. A lot of wine sellers. I mean, like very big wine sellers. There's one for two thousand six hundred ninety-nine dollars, and called the collector's choice here's ones that go underneath the sink and one that is half wine cellar half beer can cellar for your beer but they also have other stuff in here too uh like a uh, hit the road or hit the wine road in style now this is a leather pouch it has two zippered pockets for corkscrew cell phone and other stuff it is uh, uh, it's a good-looking piece of luggage, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, let's see, was it 11 inches wide, 7 inches deep, and 13 inches high. It is big enough to hold three bottles of wine. It's got a handle on it. It's got a strap on it, adjustable strap on it. A really nice-looking thing, uh, piece of equipment. Excuse me. It. Um, they also have one that holds six bottles, and then they have the uh, wax canvas weekend bag, which is insulated, that holds six bottles. These all uh, are on sale for one hundred ninety-nine dollars. Wow. Uh, that's not the bit. That's not the kind that that conceals it, though, right? I mean, it's it's an no, obvious. No, this is okay. This is, well, actually, it's not really an obvious wine tote. I mean, when you right. you, you walk around trying this thing, it looked like you could have your lawyer briefs in there. I mean, it's just right. it's that type of, uh, of container. Then they have a... This is and something I'm going to talk more about this in a little bit here, but the reason I'm going to bring it up now, Wine Enthusiast Exclusive TSA-approved wine suitcase. Okay. No, that's TSA, yes, fine. It is a removable foam insert to carry various size wine bottles, TSA-approved lock on it, telescoping handle, just like on your regular carrying you know, your suitcases, 360-degree spinning wheels, durable lightweight design, and a luggage tag. It is, uh, let's see, spinning wheels, lightweight, uh, polycarbonate shell, for easy transport, um, there is a video. If anyone's interested, uh, yeah. go to wineenthusiast.com/vinovoyage. V-I-N-O/V-O-Y-A-G-E. But it's it's a good looking little piece of luggage, is what it is. I mean, I see people walk around airports dragging their little suitcases behind like this, and you know they very possibly could have themselves a case of wine in this because this is what it looks like. Uh, so uh, the uh, Vino Voyage uh, is what it's called. But they also in the here have glasses. I have all sorts of glasses, a uh, set of four starting at thirty nine ninety five uh, for a set of wine glasses. Ooh. They also have um, a real nice walnut with a glass door cabinet that has a wine cellar underneath and a place on top for your glasses and all. Um, this is something that I thought was nice, too. This is the Plum 
wine dispenser. We're always talking about different products in here. And so when Mike brought up that the stuff that he was getting, this would remind me of this here too. This is the Plum Wine Dispensers, new automatically identifies, chills, preserves, and dispenses wine one glass at a time. All right. Now this is, looks like a little uh, stainless. Well, let me read you what it says here about it before I try to describe it. Proven preservation. The motorized needle pierces the foil and closure. Argon canister preserves up to 150 bottles. Works with natural and synthetic corks and even metal screw tops. Individually chilled, Plum's two cooling chambers are automatically set to the perfect serving temperature for each varietal. Perfect wine with a glass service. Pour a five ounce glass, a one ounce taste, or customize your serving sizes. Individual chambers pour directly from bottle to your glass. It's a virtual tasting room. Plum automatically identifies the vintage, varietal, region, winery, and wine, all displayed on a seven inch full color touch screen. Plum Wine Dispenser gift set, which uh, is two uh, preserves two bottles of wine for up to 90 days, and it includes, oh no, it doesn't include glasses, is uh, $2,000. $1,000, <coughs> excuse me, $1,999. It is 15 inches wide, <coughs> excuse me, 15 inches wide, 20 inches deep, and 17 inches high. It's like a stainless steel case around it. On the front of it is a little pour spout, like you put your glass underneath it, like the same type that you get on your refrigerator water dispensers. You put your glass underneath it. It is, um, you can choose, you can set it up to choose one of any two bottles that you're, uh, you're dispensing. You can press on one or the other. And uh, it just fits right on top of your counter. So the plum wine dispenser. I was fascinated. How does it automatically identify the wine and the vintage and all that stuff? Is there, you have to feed that into it? Or does it read a barcode or what? I don't know. Does it show? I read, you, I mean, I read you everything on this little ad right here. That's yeah. all it said. It doesn't say anything else about how it identifies. It doesn't say once you program anything. That's all it said. All right. Let me, let me grab my credit card here and how much was that thing? Let me grab my credit card. Two thousand. How much? Two thousand. Oh, let me put my credit card back away. Hold on. <laughs> put that back yeah. up there. That's yeah, cool. Really, really. Uh, let's see. Small print delivery of the plum wine dispenser is not available to California due to California Energy Commission's energy efficiency standards, which regulate the appliance maximum annual annual energy consumption. Ooh. So this is too much energy for California. Ooh, that's interesting. Wow. But it doesn't say anything else. It doesn't, you know, I'm sure it plugs into the socket behind this or something. I'm, I'm sure it's, it doesn't just, well, it might be self-contained. Who knows? It doesn't say if it needs batteries. It doesn't say how to, I don't know. Uh, the plum wine dispenser. That's all it is. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, interesting. And let's see, what we got else here? We got electric blue automatic wine openers. These are the uh, the ones that you just 
stick the top over the top of the bottle, and a little blue light comes on, electric blue automatic wine dispenser, wine opener, and pres preserver set. It's new six-piece set includes stand with pull-out drawer for accessories as a foil color, two stoppers, and aerator pour. That's only seventy dollars. Wow. So, oh, the plum must ship for free. They say everything over ninety-nine dollars is free shipping, so the plum probably ships for free. But, uh, but yeah, this is. You know, oh, and they got some beautiful furniture type stuff here. Little wine racks and uh, with glass refrigerated and, and you know just nice little piece of furniture. They've got their wine collection of pictures and stuff. Great big wall hanging pictures. Uh, 48 by 36, $399. There's 40 by 60, $499. So different, different ones there. They uh, have, let's see, all these wine storage, wine cellars, a bunch of different wine cellars. Some beautiful decanters. Uh, and just some, some gorgeous decanters here. Uh, all sorts of weird shapes and stuff. Uh, those run $150 for that particular one. Uh, that one's $80. Uh, collect all four of them for only $350. So, there you go. But they also have the Coravin, and I mentioned the Coravin a couple of weeks ago. They have the Coravin available where you can just stick your bottle underneath it, hit the button, and it pierces the bottle to the top. And so you can pour it out and preserve your bottle. Uh, now, this one includes a Corvin Model 2 wine system, premium base, two argon gas capsules, and three pouring needles, and a carrying case. That's only $400. And then a bunch of, <coughs> excuse me, a bunch of wine cork savers. They got a great big wall hanging wine cork saver. Uh, which is sort of interesting. It is uh, 24 inches wide by four and a half inches deep by 36 inches high. It holds, let's see, two, four, six, eight, and a case of wine. It holds six glasses and also has places, uh, four different places for wine corks. Uh, that's only 135, uh, $149, $135 if you get two of them. Uh, well, let's see what else they have here. Uh, wine, bunch of wine refrigerators, uh, glasses, uh, wine bars. They have. Uh, oh, uh, oh, this is sort of cool. They have a glass enclosed cellar you can set up in your basement or in any room of the house, where the whole wall has. Uh, stainless steel pens in it, and you can just lay your bottles of wine on it. They're offset a little bit so the wine doesn't tilt down, but it lays flat. And you can put your wine on that, and then it's just completely glass enclosed. You can see it from anywhere, temperature controlled, and you can walk in from either side. Oh, that's just too cool. Um, let's see, Iron Works, they've got that stuff. Uh, cigar Preservation and cigar uh, cutters and stuff like that. And let's see. Oh, and then you can 
get yourself a wine barrel coffee table, which is only uh, $1,195, $1,200, and all sorts of wine accessories there. And let's see what else here. Again, the Euro Cave wine cellars, and then ones that fit in the kitchen. Then you can commission them to make you a wine room. Uh, only, I thought I saw a price here. No, I guess it's custom build, so it just depends on what you want to do with it. But yeah, there's a little bit of everything in this book. Wine storage facilities and everything. Easy assemble. They say on some of this stuff and all that. So, but uh, the couple of things. The plum was what I really wanted to talk about. And I I didn't know any more than that. I've never heard of the plum. I, I haven't seen it or anything. I found I found something on it. A very nice website. Uh, uh, it's www.plum.wine It says how it works. Uh, wine recognition. It says each bottle chamber has an integrated HD camera that scans the label and automatically identifies the varietal, vintage, region, winery, and wine. So wow. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. I go, wine what? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> HD camera scans it, the label on it, and and figures it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, okay. that's interesting. Hmm. WW, here, I, I just... I, Punched in your website you just mentioned there. Here, and I mm-hmm. got it. Okay. And uh, the plum. But see, it's a, it's a good-looking little piece of, of equipment, if you will. Uh, oh, look, it even, you know, the, the front drops down, and you load the wine right into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, that is. Uh, perfectly <laughs> preserved. How it works. Preserve, identify. Let me click on that identify too. Uh, well, it's not giving me anything. Chill, serve. Oh, that's just a an icon. That's not doing anything. Here, how it works. Okay, revolutionary appliance for wine lovers. Uh, perfect preservation. Uh, oh, identify. Identify. Plum recognizes the bottle and displays the label on the touch screen. This is a sort of a cool piece of equipment, but you know, for two thousand dollars, it's not that cool. So, hmm. Oh well, the plum. So you can look it up there. www.plum.wine. And there's you using wine too, because wine's been approved as a new. Uh, uh, oh, somebody's calling in about the plum. Uh, but they should be, should be using the uh, our. There we go. Should be using our guest calling line instead of my home phone. <coughs> Excuse me. At least we're not getting calls all the time now from political candidates. That ended to yesterday, so that's a good thing for a couple of months anyway. Right. Commercial, right? That'd be great. Yeah. So the plum, there it is. Uh, interesting, interesting little, little piece of equipment for you there. Um, and it I doesn't give a price anywhere on the on the website, but 
the uh, wine enthusiast. Uh, they're selling it for two thousand dollars with free shipping. So you're just looking at two thousand. Credit cards are all major credit cards are accepted. Uh, hmm. Well, that was interesting. All right. Well, I'm a move on to some other things here. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? I uh, mentioned last week about, and there's some more stuff, a lot of stuff all over about having some of the residuals from the uh, Fukushima nuclear uh, explosion from the tsunami uh, hitting California wines, which was an interesting phenomenon there, hitting going into the grapes and hitting some of the wines there. So that was a rather interesting thing that was happening there. We talked about that a little bit last week. We also talked last week about the TTB labeling, a brief history of it. And uh, I haven't, I was going to, it's a long article, but it's a very interesting article. Uh, the uh, Congress included a section in the Volstead Act that uh, provided a legal loophole for people with space in their cellar for a barrel. And it uh, basically opened up some of the problems after the uh, prohibition uh, because of that. But uh, let me... I've, I've not finished reading this article yet, and I do want to finish reading it before I start telling you all about it because I don't want to bumble through it on some of the things. So I will finish reading it and then uh, tell you what it what it's all about. Uh, let's go back because this no, this isn't the right date. Uh, let me go back to the one that I want here, which is this one here. Okay. The Supreme Court ruling. Remember I mentioned, and if you do remember, the Supreme Court ruling earlier this summer. Oh, don't. Oh, I'm getting pop-ups now. The Supreme Court ruling this summer, uh, earlier this summer, that put wineries for out-of-state shipment, the responsibility of the states. It said uh, states can now tax shipments from out-of-state if they don't already. They can't. Block Talk Radio, why is that popping up? Are you still there? Did I get yeah, cut I'm, off? No, I'm still here. Oh, oh. Well, this popped up the Block Talk Radio icon on me like I need to call in. Oh, let's do that. Huh. Okay. I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, 
this is the U.S. Supreme Court over the summer gives states the option to collect sales tax from online retailers. And we, we talked about that a little bit and how it was going to affect it and all. But now it's uh, gives the states the option. Would you quit bouncing around this? My screen's bouncing around. Uh, to collect sales tax from online retailers, which is expected to create a new compliance and financial battle and hurdle and a pain for e-commerce sellers. Um, the ruling is called the Wayfair versus South Dakota. And it was on June 21st. Uh, this will apply to wineries and out-of-state shipments in addition to deliveries from Amazon, Walmart, Staples, Nordstrom's, um, you know, a lot of these big ones that are out there. Um, Wayfair, I think, is another one that, you know, does a lot of delivering and all that. And uh, it, it affects all of them. They got to collect tax on our state. And this article says, to be honest, I don't think the wine industry is a little ahead of the game because we've been paying sales taxes already, says Steve Gross, who is uh, president of state relations for California Wine Institute. He said he doesn't see it as a kind of sea change that a lot of other retailers are going to be facing. The top 10 direct-to-customer shipping states already collect sales tax. These are California, which uh, ships 30% of the wines out of state, or 30% of the total wines shipped out of state. They, they Of all the wines shipped, out-of-state, direct-to-customer, California ships 30% of them. That's what I was trying to do. Number two is, surprisingly, Texas. And then Cal- and then Florida and Washington, each at 5%. New York State, 6%. I missed that. 4% Illinois. And Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Oregon, all at 3%. Uh, surprising graph there. Uh it's uh, uh, really was interesting. It says the percent indicate value share of the market. Most legal ship to states already charge sales tax on wine, but two of the top ten, Florida and Colorado, do not. So when I would ship, I was not required to do a sales tax and report it. I, you know, and the thing is, I did anyway. When I had the winery and I was shipping it out of state, I would charge sales tax and it would be reported because I was required to pay taxes on it once it came out of the room. The taxes were built into it, basically. I had my excise tax on wine and that was once it came out of the back room, once it came out of the tax-free room, if you will, and put onto the floor, I paid excise tax on it every month of whatever I brought out of the back room. So since I was paying tax on it there and I would be taxed on it as the sales at the end of the month, my sales would pop up and I would be taxed on it there because I didn't run it as a non-taxable, I would end up paying tax on it anyway. So I would actually collect tax on out-of-state shipments. And I think most of the wineries I know do. I don't think it's something that they would try to avoid and try to get away from. Most of them did it because it was just built right into it. But 
the ruling is a victory for the states, which now can uh, can now tax catalog and web-based retailers in states where they don't have a physical presence. Uh, wineries being licensed alcohol sellers already have long been required to get permits, file reports, and pay excise tax and sales tax on most of the states. So the Supreme Court ruling decision means that several states that have not required sales tax in the past may now add them. But Alaska, Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, and the District of Columbia currently don't collect sales taxes from licensed direct-to-consumer wine shippers although four of those states do collect excise taxes. Uh, and again, I really, I think most of the wineries do. They say, you know, they, they're not required to, but the requirements and, and in reality, it's different because we actually did. I think most everybody does. State excise taxes range from 20 cents per gallon in California, in Texas, and California up to 225 in Florida and 250 in Alaska. We are one of the highest ones. This is something I I saw. There's another chart I found talking about excise tax, and Florida is one of the highest ones in the country. Uh, Utah being the highest. Uh, the rule is uh, the ruling. The South Dakota-based Wayfair decision. Wayfair is a, a big shipping company, a Wayfair decision removed the old definition of nexus. The rule was that a state can't tax a seller if it doesn't have a physical presence in the state, such as a store, inventory, etc. Even a warehouse would count as a physical presence. The Supreme Court reminded the question oh, I'm sorry, remanded, not remind remanded the question back to South Dakota to review its laws without physical presence being a commanding standard. He said that the court was clear that South Dakota had a rule that out-of-state companies conducting fewer than 200 transactions or $100,000 in sales need not pay taxes. It would probably probably be reasonable and can continue. So, in effect, since Wineries already pay sales tax there. It's not a change. And most of the wineries that do ship are below that 200 transaction or $1,000 level anyway. The Wine Institute members who have questions can always contact uh, the Wine Institute. And uh, they have a number to check and see how they fall into that category. So it's... If you start seeing taxes show up on your shipment from a few different states you never got it from before, then it's one of the few that hasn't been doing it, and they're now doing it. But basically, I think wineries have overall always been part of it, even the ones that aren't required. Uh, And like this article says, currently don't collect sales taxes from licensed direct consumer wine shippers, but you know, I, I tend to think that we do. I tend to think that most of them will do it and it will happen that way. But that is uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling has shown that uh, 
it has affected some, but it's not going nuts. It's not going crazy like uh, the wine industry when we first heard that ruling. We're thinking, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do now? It's not anything that we have to worry about, I don't think. Resistant grape varieties. The future of viticulture. Possibly. The resistant grape varieties. Uh, these were created by crossing European grape varieties and American fungus-resistant species. Most of these are still known as hybrids and first used in France in 1850s to 1935. And the aim was to combine the good resistance to diseases and phylloxera of the American grape varieties with the high quality of European varieties. Unfortunately, these new varietals were either not able to survive on their own or were producing poor quality wines. But thanks to several successful grapevine improvement programs in Europe, the solution is now a viable option in viticulture which new varieties have been selected and the method could reduce the use of grapevine fungicides by nearly 90%. Yay! Uh, makes it cheaper for wineries if they're starting to reduce chemicals. Wineries, and that just brought up a thought in my mind, wineries don't like using all that stuff. If we can get by without using a bunch of chemicals, that's great for us. It's not that we're trying to save the grapes. It's not that we're trying to create it. It's just the fact that it starts getting bloody expensive. You're going out there and you're spending X amount of dollars to buy this herbicide or this fungicide or this chemical. You're spending the time in the vineyards spreading this or spraying it or doing whatever. You're putting hours of work into it and everything. It it becomes expensive. And if you can get by having grapes out there that you don't have to worry about that stuff, then it's fantastic. You're not putting all this money into it that if you can get by with it, you can. The new breeds of vines belong to this type of Vitus vinifera because they're not distinguished from the European grapes. And they're not GMOs. All right, which is interesting. It's a cross is what it is. They're not genetically modified, but selected crossings between natural existing varieties. So the new grapes are not a GMO. They didn't change the internal things. They just crossbred, which most of the grapes we have are crossbreds. I mean, let's face it, this is, how they, a lot of them come to be. Uh, wineries using resistant grapes uh, in Italy, there is uh, hundreds of crossings and thousands of examined plants, and the first 10 have been legally registered and authorized. Uh, these 10 grapes are, uh, are, and I'm going to destroy some of these names here, but these are the names of the new genetically modified ones, are not genetically modified, the new crossbred, the new disease-resistant grapes. Uh, the Floritai, the Sorelli, Sauvignon Critos, Sauvignon Nepus, Sauvignon Ritos, Cabernet Idos, Cabernet Volos, Merlot Caros, Merlot Canthus, Julius. Those are all the ones that have been approved uh, as 
uh, resistant vines, and they're legally registered. The first two regions to authorize these in Italy are, and is this Italy? I'm pretty sure, yeah. First two in Italy are uh, the uh, Gaiulia and the Veneto. Uh, some producers are looking, uh, future Italy will look up to Germany, Czech Republic, and the U.S. and try to get some of these approved there. The uh, the uh, new ones, new plantings uh, that they're having are working well all the way through. They're resistant to diseases. They are being made into wines which are good tasting wines. They are actually a varietal wine. They are something that people need to get used to the name. They are not, again, GMOs. They are a new great variety. There's just a resistant to disease and resistant to all that stuff. So the resistant great varieties, the future of viticulture. And it may take that to survive in some areas because of climate change. It is getting warm in regions that were never warm before. And longer ripening seasons, uh, warmer winters, a lot of this stuff will end up making a difference in the grapes that are grown in a certain region. So keep an eye out for that. The uh, uh, resistant grape varieties are something that is going to start popping up more. You're going to start hearing more and more about that. If you are looking for a job and you want to be involved in the wine industry in one way or another, there is a major truck driver shortage. Actually, in the entire agriculture industry, there is a major truck driver. Actually, in the whole country, there is a major truck driver shortage. If you want to drive for a living, then there is jobs for you everywhere on trucks. There is, and I'm very serious about this. I did a lot of trade journals when I was at the winery, and I still continue some of them that I found very interesting and read them. Uh, and one of them I used to get was a trucking. And the incident of shortage of truck drivers is almost epidemic. It was predicted about 10 years ago, and it's gotten very bad. Some trucking lines uh, over the road, OTR truck drivers, are being offered bonuses of, uh, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars to drive and, and to go with the company and stuff like that. It is really, really becoming an issue. Uh, new rules and regulation out there. They have electronic logging devices, uh, ELDs, which are hooked up to trucks, which means that you're only allowed to drive so much. You've got to be in compliance with it. Uh, with driving hours and how much you stop and how much you rest and all that. A lot of the old truck drivers don't like it, and they're getting out of the business. A lot of old truck drivers are retiring uh, because of some of the regulations. But if you are young, if you want a job, if you know someone who is young and wants a job, there is a shortage of truck drivers in the wine industry and everywhere. Uh, millennials are not replacing them. And 
it is becoming an issue. The grape industry, moving uh, wine grapes, uh, are not wine grapes, but uh, the grapes, yeah, wine grapes. I was thinking roots. Wine grapes from the vineyards into the winery, things like this. These are all jobs that they're looking for. So pass it on if you know anyone that needs a job or someone that wants a job on that. Trucking industry is hurting right now. And let me tell you, it's, it's, if you don't mind driving, if you don't mind being out on the road, it can be a good life. I've known a lot of truck drivers over my lifetime, and they say it's one of the best jobs they've ever had. So, truck drivers for wineries, there's something to something to keep in mind. Okay, now I mentioned earlier about the new Vino Voyage, the Vino Voyage, um, the case that is. Um, where are we? The uh, case, the plastic, or no, not plastic, but the durable, lightweight design case and all that that you can carry a wine in. Well, the designer and producer of a highly rated wine suitcase has accused a major wine gear purveyor of stealing his design. Barry Wax who conceived and produced the original Vingard Valise, uh, the VGV, in 2014, alleged that the new Vino Voyage, and that's the one I just read you about, wine suitcase designed and marketed by wine enthusiasts, is a clear case of patent infringement. It is absolutely a ripoff, no question says Barry Wax. Wine enthusiast has declined to comment on the charge. <laughs> uh, I never heard of the case until I saw it in this magazine. I got this magazine a couple of weeks ago. The one I just tell you about. And then I was looking through my sources here on this and sure enough, there, there they were fighting about it. They showed the one that Wax as patent, and it looks a lot like it, but it's not. You know, the, and I, I think when you start having different designs and stuff, if you change a few things, that would qualify as a different product. I mean, China does that to American products all the time, and and it's always tends to be legal. But this is, he says, the allegations emerged recently. When Pallet Press decided to update a review of wine luggage two years ago, they reviewed the specialized luggage designed for transporting wine and other bottles in an airline baggage hold. The days when one could just throw a couple of bottles in a carry-on bag, of course, are over. But having uh, the new things, TSA screeners will stop anyone who tries to go through with any other way. So actually anything larger than a small bottle of shampoo. So, Vingard Valise recently upgraded their 12-bottle Grande 04 model. And wine enthusiasts, the online gear 
Emporium just came out with a similar wine suitcase, the Vino Voyage. So they figured it was time to update. Both made their respective models available for review in this in this article. And I tell you what, they do look a lot alike. But the one by Wax is a little bit square and it looks a little bit more like a like a suitcase, whereas the one by one enthusiast looks more like your carry-on baggies that you see people driving around the airport all the time. Uh, very similar inside, though. There is uh, the same type of foam inserts and stuff. And this is what they're basically complaining about, that the insides, uh, they're, they're different, yes, but you don't question the look on the outside, but it looks like a knockoff on the concept and on the inside. Um, they said the suitcase cannot be patented, uh, but it's uh, what is patented is the handles and the design of the foam inside. Uh, 2015 Wine Enthusiast Magazine article on traveling with wine makes no mention of either the VGV or its own product. So if you look up wine enthusiasts about traveling with wine, they don't talk about either one of these ways to do it. Uh, the dimensions are similar. The VGV is 27.6 inches by 18.4 by 13.6. And the one from wine enthusiasts, the Vino Voids, is 27 by 19 by 13. So they're just about the same on that. But the interior is where the problem is. Um, so, uh, the, uh, VGV is, has a added a handle at the bottom to make it easier to lift, and they're both easily maneuverable, but, uh, the few key differences, one is the depth, which is measured, which is one enthusiast measures two inches deep while the VGVs are two and a half inches, and the VGV sells additional inserts to accommodate magnums, glasses, and even a do-it-yourself, so you can cut it out yourself for anything that is an odd size, like maybe a box of black box or something like that, if you want to throw it in there. The VGV also has wider and stronger internal straps to hold the foam pads on the inserts and comes with an additional internal pad. So it separates the two, whereas the uh, Vino Voyage does not. Both are made in China. So, you know, that's probably uh, the difference there. And when we uh, when they checked them out on Amazon, uh, that's when Wax filed the complaint of a patent copyright. They both sell for $299.99, and they're both available through Amazon. So you can check them both out through Amazon and choose the one of your liking. You know, I, I sort of lean toward the one that Wax puts out, the, the uh, VGV, but... Only the, the Vingard Valise Grande 04 uh, 
does come across, I think, as a little bit better. And if you're going to choose the two, I, I tend to lean toward that one because of the the dividing thing between the two and all that stuff. But I mentioned that case earlier, and it's it's a ripoff, says Wax, who is the creator of the of the original case, the, the original Vino Voyage wine suitcase, or the not the Vino Voyage, that's the that's the one from Wine Spectator, the Vin Garde Venice, or the VGV. Uh, okay, and let me go to something else here. As soon as I get back to it, get it here. Dan Berger is a uh, well, let me see let me give you his qualifications if he has any or if he is just a blogger uh, Dan well, where is it oh Dan Berger is a, is a blogger he's written for the Press Democrat uh, for a number of years he's got awards uh that he's accumulated over the years and has done all sorts of stuff. He lives in Sonoma County. He publishes a weekly wine newsletter called Vintage Experiences. Uh, he's also co-host of California Wine Country with uh, Steve Jackson, uh, J-A-X-1, Steve Jackson, on KSRO Radio. And so he's got a little bit of knowledge, and he's saying that the that wine has become generic, but is there really a generic varietal? Is there one that is? It's just are you happy with your four ninety nine so Cabernet Sauvignon, seven dollar Merlot, nine dollar Chardonnay, or you rather have the thirty dollar red blend? And one of the reasons he has says he has a difficult time praising the best recent price wines is that almost all of them are failures. Uh, there, there's, there's so much alike. There's not much of a difference in all of them. You reply to a statement as being snobbish or sacrilege, or, and you, you might be right to a point, but they're becoming wines in the lower price range are come, becoming so generic, uh, so same. And he said today's wines are really almost all drinkable, just that they're not very interesting. Any regular consumer of moderately priced wine knows what he's talking about. Red blends in the $25 and above range are just not worth the money. In a $10 and under category, they're faced with the same dilemma. There's too much generic varietal wines are out there. They... Uh, it, it's a, a generic varietal. Okay, he said the best way to describe that is go to your local wine shop, supermarket, or pharmacy, and you'll find a large shelf full of wines that are varietal. And you may see uh, a wine that says uh, it's a Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, a decent Sauvignon Blanc is supposed to have hints of some or all the following characteristics: grass, hay, citrus or even grapefruity, uh, chamomile tea, gooseberry, lime, anise, fennel, black peppers, and it should be dry. 
Now, buy yourself a $5 Sauvignon Blanc and try it. Chances are the wine has none of the above aromas. None. And it's sweet. And enough sweetness, he says, to fill a popsicle. So, by law, varietals must be made from 75% of the named grape. So, even a $5 Zinfandel will legally contain 75% of that grape, but it's clearly not the characters and the fruit and everything that we expect for a Zinfandel. If such a wine is made from a hot region, uh, vines that are overcropped, the results can be uh, a, a noxious variety of aromas and tastes that are basically absent. So thus, he's calling them generic varietals. Now, this is this is what he's basing it on too. Is in Napa, most cabernet makers harvest about four tons of fruit per acre. Now, I've talked about this before that five tons is usually average in some places because you don't want the grapes. Too much fruit on the vine takes away from the quality of it. Napa, they cut it back to four tons. So, cab four tons. A small amount. One ton of usable fruit yields about 120 gallons of juice, and grapes cost many thousands of dollars per ton in Napa. If a Cabernet vineyard is located in a hot region and allowed to grow 10 or 12 tons per acre, the price of the grapes drops. But the usable fruit from a ton is 160 gallons. And per ton, grape prices hoover close to $500 per ton as opposed to 3000 or more Napa. So this results in it tasting nothing like a Cabernet. Your typical premium red blend, you can tell it's premium because the label has flowery language, gold and silver ink, and maybe a neck label that sparkles. And a high price, say $40. What grapes... We're used to make the wine. You look on the back label and find out that we use only the finest fruit growing in rolling hillsides but organically raised farmhands. No mention of the wine grapes. <coughs> Excuse me. Some might allude to European castles, chateau generations of uh, vineyards. The wine may say it comes from California. But does this justify a price of $40? The sad fact is that $1.99 wine brands that were launched more than a decade ago, despite mediocre quality and inconsistency, did become successful. You're talking here two-buck chuck. Does the wine smell and taste like the bridles they adorn on the label? Not really. So when you ask for two-buck chuck, are they worth it? No, they're not. Unfortunately, they're you, you know you were asked to pay eight bucks to get them, and they dropped it down lower and lower. So people persisted: Are they worth it? And it's, if you don't ask the wine to deliver more than the price point can deliver, yeah, if that's what you're expecting, then they're worth it. But if you want to try a Cabernet Sauvignon, you don't go out and buy a $3 bottle of wine that says Cabernet Sauvignon on the label and expect it to give you an example of a Cabernet Sauvignon. Yes, you can find, and I'm 
editorializing a little bit here. You can find wines that are good in the $10, $12, $15, $20 range. If you want to know what they are, look in Wine Enthusiast and Wine Spectator. In the back, they will tell you best buys because they have tasted them. They know what they're looking for. But when you go down to the store and you buy these cheap wines, you're not getting a good example of really what that wine is. They may be pleasant. They're going to be sweeter because that's what people prefer, sweeter wines. And that is something else I'm going to get into next week. Uh, Apothic Red and stuff like this. Why are these so popular? Uh, We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week since... uh, we talked about the the wine cube or the plum. But if you're looking for wines that really show you what the varietal is, then spend your money and get it. Or, again, you know, use sources. But if you're looking at saving money and you want something on there, then, you know, that's fine. Don't get me wrong. I've never said that you have to pay lots of money to get a, a, a wine that you enjoy. If you enjoy them and it costs $7, $8, fantastic. One of the things I used to do in my classes all the time, <coughs> excuse me again. One of the things I used to do in my class when I taught my classes, I would teach the 100 point scoring system, the wine in, the wine uh, spectator 100 point scoring system. Then I would, partway through the class, brown bag the class on a bottle of wine. And I would always buy inexpensive wines, wines that cost less than $10, you said, pick them up at Walgreens or going to, you know, my local favorite wine shops and pick up ones that were inexpensive and stuff like that. And most of the time, the people in the class enjoyed them. They, they found them, oh, this is nice. And it wasn't nice. It wasn't outstanding. It was pleasant. It was a, it was a pleasant drink. It was a pleasant wine. But it went to show them that if you enjoy something, then I would say, oh, this is such and such a wine. It's on sale at Walgreens for $8 this, this week or something. And I said, if you like it, if you want to get it, run down there and pick yourself up a case of it. But every once in a while, I would do two bottles and I would pull out one that I would get, and then I would get one that was more expensive, one that I would taste a Cabernet and then pull out a Cabernet that was more expensive that showed some more character. And people immediately knew the difference. It wasn't something that they said, well, I can't tell the difference. Yeah, you could. It was there. It was always there. And so if you enjoy the, the inexpensive ones and it's, it's one drink wine, and all, great, wonderful. That's fantastic. But if you want to discover varietal characteristics, if you want to discover some of the flavors and taste and all that that they talk about, the wine should have, then you're going to have to spend a little bit more money to get it. It, it always fascinates me how the inexpensive wines start describing wines that have all this inner taste and aromas and flavors and everything. And no matter how I search, I can't find half of them. And basically because they're not there. It's not that I can't taste them. It's basically because they're not there. But these are things that should be there with this particular ride on. So I think it's, you know, I tell people don't 
don't judge wine on the label anyway. So, but, yeah, this Don Berger is saying that we're, we're doing generic Rydos because they're just, they're all the, I mean, you can get yourself a $8 Cabernet Sauvignon anywhere, any type, and it's going to taste like a cab. Only it's going to taste like an $8 cab. It's not going to taste really like it. it's a cab and how it should be. So, again, if you enjoy them, I'm not criticizing. I think that's great and that's wonderful. Next week, we're going to not have a guest. We have a guest coming up on the 13th. Uh, Kevin from Wild, I don't know, Wild something. I don't have the paper in front of me. Um, in, uh, in Missouri, uh, Winery in Missouri. He'll be joining us next week. And uh, then, or not next week, the 13th, in two weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about uh, Apothic Red, why it's such a popular wine. We're also going to talk about... Uh, wine taxes and uh well something else I'm gonna tell you right now. Let me let me go find this right now. It's a short article and it's it's a uh, a fun little article. Let me tell you about it. Let me find this and tell you about it real real quickly real fastly here. Kendall Jackson. Kendall Jackson is petitioning for a white wine emoji. You know, like the smiley face emojis and stuff like that. They're petitioning for a white wine emoji. They are, as soon as my machine decides to pop up the screen on one here, I'll tell you what it says here. Maybe not. Maybe we decided to take a break, which will give me a chance to take a sip of port. Just wait till next week to do that one too. Uh, I'll tell you what they're looking at, what they're trying to do. Uh, the Kendall Jackson sent a 15-page proposal to the emoji gods at Unicode, purchasing for a white wine emoji. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that next week too. So, oh, we got You have to petition somebody to make an emoji. Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, I guess you have to petition. Unicode. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. So, we'll talk about that more next week, too. About, yeah. Strange uh, things that people are fighting for these days. Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. I got a holiday Monday. Everybody be safe on the holiday. Yeah. Last big one of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last, not last big one of the year. We got, you know, big ones at the end of the year, but I mean, last. Last summer holiday of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, and it's, I think we're supposed to have an increase of rain in this area, so it's not going to be like it yeah, usually is, I guess. Too. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's definitely uh, approaching us. And uh, so, um, yeah. Yeah. There too. Be they're, safe. They're All over the place. More rain. Yeah. yeah. Be I safe and golf. Yeah. Well, you can yeah. go golf on a holiday. <laughs> yeah, anytime, all the rain. Anytime, yeah. 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 So, Catch so be safe. Be safe on the holiday. All the time. Yeah. 
And we'll see you all uh, back here on uh, September the 6th. Wow. wow, September already. Yeah, September the 6th, uh, next Thursday at 7 p.m. right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hold on. And Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good uh, have a good week. We'll see you all next week. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.